Let me introduce you. Let me introduce you. Wow. Wow. Well, here we are. Here we are. Welcome to the the first episode. The pilot? Is that what we're going to call the it? The first. pilot episode yes. of Let Me Introduce You. I am one of your three hosts. My name is Graham. My name is Katie. And my name is Ashley. And together we make up your hosts of the show. And we're so excited that you have decided to join us today. All right. So a little background on this show is that we are three friends who've known each other for Guys, I did the math. It's like 17, 18 years. So, oh so our friendship can see an R-rated movie. How exciting about that. We met in college at film school. We are dear, dear friends. We've known each other forever. So much in common with the sole exception of our taste in movies. So we're going to each week talk about a movie that is important to one of us that at least one person has not seen. Talk about what the other people think about it. And it's going to all relate to a theme. Our first theme are the movies that we've seen the most out of anything. And this week we're going to be talking about one of my favorite films, Troop Beverly Hills. But before we get to that, let's start with Katie. Katie, tell the people a little bit about, first of all, where are you? So, I mean, technically I'm in the back of my car. Correct. (laughs) Uh, But uh, in reality, I live in Los Angeles. And I don't work in movies, but I have a little bit. And I've lived in Los Angeles for about three years now. And it's a delight. It never mm-hmm. rains. And is it, perfect. would you say it's a goddamn delight? <laughs> it is a goddamn delight, especially. Guys, your language um, is terrible. Excuse me. I want. <laughs> oh my God. I, I are, are we going to be like, that kind of a show with cursing? <laughs> <laughs> yes, hello. Hi, my name is Ashley. Yes. Um, we've been friends for Ashley, we're not at you yet. Have you met me? Hi. In fact, I greatly enjoyed watching True Beverly Hills because after moving to Los Angeles, I like watching movies that take place in Los Angeles because mm. then I can be like, oh, I've been there. So, Katie, if you could define what your taste is in movies, oh, in that's general, so easy. What would you define that to be? So, I am a 100% horror person. Horror, science fiction. As we were going through our list trying to pick, you know, movies that we thought the others had seen, mine almost felt a little bit easier because I'm like, I'm just going to go through the decades and pick weirdo science fiction or horror movies. And actually, that worked out pretty well. I love them. All right. Awesome. A lot of the movies on your list terrify me just because I watch I know. The I'm sorry. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There is nary, All right. nary a rom-com on my list. I don't enjoy travesty, the romantic comedy movies. Uh, but I will do it for this. All right. Good. That that's friendship is is suffering. So <laughs> <laughs> And we will make you and suffer. And we will make you suffer because uh, now we'll, That's fine. I'm going to make you guys suffer yes. too with my choices, so bring it on. All right. Well, let's transfer to Ashley. Ashley, where are you and what would you define as your taste in film? Oh. Hey y'all. Despite using Southern slang, I live in Minneapolis. I'm the only one out of the three of us who lives in the same like state or hometown that I was raised in, which always still feels a little weird, even though I've been back for over 10 years. Mm-hmm. It's still like, but I thought I would be cool and live somewhere else. Okay, Minneapolis no, is it. cool. 
So Minneapolis is cool. And you get you know a larger apartment for cheaper. Yeah, than don't all even of us. actually, but actually, Ashley, you're the one so who are ma- is making all the right decisions here. <laughs> yeah, it is. My rent is. It's Stop like it! Don't even tell us. Cheap. Don't, don't anyway. even tell us. You're gonna be going to upset Midwest the listeners. But yeah, my taste in movies. I guess I have a hard time defining it, just because I. Like when we were making up our lists of movies, y'all had so many things that you had written. And I was just thinking, um, I watch a lot of TV lately. Mm -hmm. And by lately, I mean the last 12 years since I left (laughs) LA from working in the film industry and being forced to watch the same crappy movies over and over again as working for a post house. So I don't know. I like I'll watch a little bit of horror. My partner Bob is super into it. So that's been fun to connect with Katie on stuff they've seen. Yeah, yeah. And before we lived together, I would say to him, like, you have to sleep over. Okay. And now it's really cute when we watch horror movies. It's like, don't worry, I'll sleep over. It's because you live together. I know, right? <laughs> Adulthood. Well, no, I've seen my fair share of rom coms. I have a real thing for those teen coming-of-age movies in the late 90s, early aughts. I think there are probably some movies that I've seen that are just really crappy (laughs) that you guys would be like, um, didn't you go to film school? But then I'll watch some indie stuff or whatever. But yeah, I watched a lot of TV and a lot of movies growing up, so I guess... It's not like, like, I'll watch anything. No, there's definitely stuff I won't watch. But I don't know. I feel like my taste is kind of run of the mill. Went through a very brief Woody Allen phase 20 well, years ago. No longer. Out. Yeah. Out. Yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> so. But yeah, Katie, we're definitely going to watch some rom-coms. I'm definitely... I know it's, I know it's coming. I'm going to find, yeah, I'm gonna try to find some like Disney Channel original movies that Graham hasn't seen. Well, I actually haven't seen a ton of those Disney Channel movies, so... All right. Well, thanks for sharing, Ashley and Katie. My name's Graham. I live in San Francisco. I have no affiliation with the film world. But my taste is really, it's kind of similar to yours, Ashley. It's pretty varied. I do think for a long time I was really committed to like only watching independent film. Oh my goodness. And only watching what was for the educated out there. And then I got quickly like over that as I got older. And now I just watch a lot of things that make me happy and comforting. Um, excuse me. You were so judgy when we started watching all the Robert Altman films and you're like, oh my God, you've not seen any of these Robert Altman films? Well, I've films? seen them, Katie, but now I like comfort. Like last time I watched Queen Latifah's Last Holiday and it was delightful. <laughs> that's, that's, that's so... <laughs> but also Altman is great. So. Yeah, exactly. I have thoughts, we, but that's fine. We're going to have to do a whole... Altman thing. God, yes. But so when we were thinking about what could be the first movies that we talk about, the one that really jumped out to me was Troop Beverly Hills, which actually you have seen. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. And Katie, not surprisingly, has not. So so now we're going to go into that. So Katie, tell me, before you even watched it, what knowledge did you have of this movie? So I knew nothing about this movie. I'd never seen it. All I knew was it was Graham's favorite movie. You know, growing up, I have five younger brothers, so it's not a surprise that I didn't watch a whole lot of rom-coms or comedies like this. Yeah, all I knew was, you know, Shelley Long was in it, and I knew it was Graham's favorite movie because I've heard you talk about it a million times. That is literally all I knew about it. 
Okay, well, it's not my favorite movie, but it's oh definitely well, up there. <laughs> when you talk about the most. Yes. I mean, it's also the introduction of Jenny Lewis. Exactly. And Ashley, what is your relation with the movie? I honestly cannot remember the first time I watched it, but I think that's also indicative of things that you've seen several times. Mm-hmm. So it was just, it was one of those things where it's like, well, yeah, of course I've watched it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then as I got older, you know, you're like, oh yeah, you don't watch that as much or whatever. And then you learn like, oh my God, that's right. Jenny Lewis was in it. I love Rilo Kiley mm-hmm. and all of that. Yeah, it was just like one of those movies I probably watched on, I don't know, Comedy Central or like whatever cable networks my parents had. And I'd be like, oh my God, True Beverly Hills is on, you know. That's so funny you say that about not remembering when the first time you saw movies that you've seen a million times. That is super duper true. At least for most things growing up, like I can't remember the first time I saw lots of big things, but I'm glad I'm sharing this first experience with you guys. Oh, good. Good. Well, True Beverly Hills, I I think is actually the movie that I've seen the most out of all of them. I'm I'm thinking like we're we're reaching 80, 90 times that I've seen this movie. I'm not no joke. So Katie, you're the eldest and you have younger brothers. I'm the youngest and I have two older sisters. So a lot of what was on TV when I was really young was, was pretty much decided by them. So they were older, they had control of what to watch. So I would just be like, fine, sure. We'll watch whatever you want to watch. I don't want you to like be mean to me. So, <laughs> so that was a lot, of, a lot of teen comedies that were in the late 80s, early 90s, a lot of Teen Witch and this, and Trip Beverly Hills was on a lot. And it was just something about it that really I gravitated to so much so that there was one summer I think it was the summer between third and fourth grade where I actually would watch it every day, like every single day for probably a month. I popped in the, v- the VHS tape that we recorded off TV and I would go to the kitchen, I'd fill a glass of Clamato juice and Ew. I would sit, <laughs> so I would sit on the couch. I called it a bloody gram. Oh my God. Amazing. And I would sit there <laughs> by myself sipping it as if it was a cocktail and just watch Shelley Long and these girls and just laugh, laugh, laugh. So I think that is where the bulk of almost watching it 80 times came up because I probably watched it about 30 times that summer. And it's logged, just logged something them all in. that I've gone to consistently. And what's interesting is the version I saw the most was one that we recorded off of TBS or TNT. So a lot of it was edited out. So I didn't really see the real true movie with all the, the pieces until about five years ago. And I'm like, what is, this, what is this extra scene? Oh my God, this is so great. And there's just so much more to fall in love with. But there's just so much about it. Like the poster of this movie is in my house that you, you've all seen. Yes. It's, it's on, probably where I recognize yeah, it. Yeah, it's on. First time I saw it. Yeah, it's in our, our hallway of comedies with a strong female lead. It is... <laughs> It is across from Working Girl and next to Big Business. Yeah. And uh, luckily my partner is also in love with the movie or else that would be a huge problem. Deal breaker. Yeah, deal breaker for sure. So Katie, why don't you kind of run down what the plot is of this before we get into the nitty gritty? Okay, so the plot seems to be that there is this woman and she is very glamorous. The height of 1980s, you know, Beverly Hills, Los Angeles, cliche, you know, spends a lot of money, dresses very extravagantly, 
and it turns out that she is going through a divorce and she has a daughter who is a part of a like a Girl Scout troop, but they call it Wilderness Girls. So Shelley Long is struggling to connect with her daughter, and she, it doesn't seem... So the husband is played by Craig T. Nelson, which I was so pumped because I love Craig T. Nelson until the end of this movie, which I will tell you about. Okay. Oh, I've got some thoughts. I've got to show you my last notes on this eventually. Oh, God. I think we're going to get in a fight, and that's fine. No, no, no. <laughs> But Shelley Long and Craig T. Nelson are getting a divorce, and it seems, like, very sad. But Shelley Long gets herself kind of elected to be the troop leader of her daughter's Girl Scout troop to bond with her. You know, coping mechanism, whatever. You know, her flamboyant nature, her love of life is not consistent with the other former alpha of the wilderness troop, Velda. Mm. and Velda has very specific thoughts about what a wilderness girl is. And so it's the story of this troop of misfits kind of finding their own way and finding out, you know, how to be belong and how to have purpose and how to be who you are. So when I was describing it to other friends of mine who I was saying I'd watch this movie for the first time, and the basically way I could describe it was... Because, you know, I grew up watching a lot of, like, sports movies and stuff. You know, it's like Mighty Ducks or Bad News Bears. It, it probably exactly. close to Bad, Bad News yep. Bears, except about a group of girls. Which I actually was like, that's really fun. As mm-hmm. someone who was in the Girl Scouts and then quit. <gasps> I was a brownie. There okay. are photos somewhere. Did you make it past the brownies? <laughs> no. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Because I did Girl Scouts till fifth grade, so I'm just saying I still have my patches. <laughs> I have mine. I have my brownie patches somewhere. Okay, so Katie, I asked you to kind of think about your top five impressions of this movie, whether good or bad, before okay. we go in. <gasps> no problem. Okay, so first of all, I love the color of the movie. It's like bright and fun, and it's super duper enjoyable to look at. You know, I don't like. I'm not a huge fan of depressing movies. I like movies that I can watch and just like, (laughs) no, no. no. I love being depressed. (laughs) uh, No, there are people. So my boyfriend loves darker black comedy type of movies. And that's just not for me. I like movies that are fun and bright. And this one was just fun to watch. Mm -hmm. I like the jokes. I like the characters. It wasn't boring. There were, were parts it felt a little long. What? But well, I, this is uh, good because I mean I have I, that's fine. Th- I already don't have, agree with you on some things. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> you're gonna. Yeah, I know you guys are gonna come for me, so it's fine. But yeah, there were parts where I was like, "This is a little long," but I like watching it. I think it was fun to look at. I thought the fashion was great. I love the best friend, the mom, the woman from Dynasty. I love her. Yeah, Stephanie Beachman. Mm. Craig T. Nelson is a dick. But he's shirtless at one scene, which was such a delightful surprise. Oh, my God. <laughs> I wasn't really into it. Yeah. I no. was. No, no. I mean, I like Craig T. Nelson from Poltergeist, so I was like, yes. Yeah. So I love the color. I thought it was a cute sports movie. I liked that it was being true to yourself, but it wasn't overly cheesy. So, overall, I enjoyed it. You, overall, you enjoyed it. Love I that. Did. That's good. Even though there are a couple of things you said that I already don't agree with you on. I don't want to hurt your soul, but that's okay. <laughs> so, there are a couple of things that I want to talk about. And, and 
even in this re- rewatch, I was surprised to find out. But Katie, I think one of the first things you told me as you were watching it was the animated opening sequence. Yes! Yeah, Which, God, I love that. First of all, it starts with the Beach Boys, make it big, hello, great song to begin this movie. Whenever there, if a movie in the 80s began with an animated sequence, I was like, this is going to be fun. Yes, because (laughs) this was a year where there were a couple different movies that had it. You had Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and can anybody name a third that came out that year? Uh, Christmas Vacation! Obviously. Christmas Vacation. Uh, I'm pretty sure same person did Troop Beverly Hills and... Christmas Vacation. Well, do you know who did Troop Beverly Hills? Do you know the person who actually did the animation? No. No, because I don't have your did, memory. That, well, I, well, I did my research, and I found today, it was the guy who did Ren and Stimpy. <gasps> That's right. Interesting. And so, like, re-watching, like, oh, yeah, the angles of some of these characters totally make sense. And a part of me wishes that if this had been a success, then there, we would have had an animated TV show, wouldn't we? Like, that carry on the story of these girls. It would be so fun. But I do think it really well summarizes who these girls are and who this who Phyllis Neffler is in just these opening two minutes. I mean, you've got them camping and they got Evian water. You've got like a bear and the bear attacks them, but they redo the nails of the bear. When the little girl's hurt and she's like waving her hand, I was like, mm-hmm. oh no, she hurt her hand. And then it's just that she broke her nail. She broke her nail. <laughs> and of so. course, you know, Michelle Long is there to fix it. And I was like, that is adorable. Exactly. I love that. It was kind of like in the opera where they do like an overture. It was the mm-hmm. animated overture. Basically, like, here's what you're going to get. And if you're not in in the first couple of minutes, then, then goodbye. Thanks for buying a ticket. We're going to keep it. But get out of here. <laughs> I think the first 10 minutes of this movie are so tight. You come in. You have this opening sequence. Then you meet Velda Plendor, the villain of this Ooh. movie. Betty Thomas, who at the time was an Emmy Award-winning actress from Hill Street Blues, and this was her last film role. I mean, she was a she was a popular actress in the '80s. In the first minutes, you know, this woman does not like this this Phyllis Neffler. You don't really ever understand why, like what provoked her to hate Phyllis so much. I mean, granted, she's rich yeah. and she's out of touch with what Velda believes to be a wilderness girl. But it's just interesting how immediately, yes, that's the villain. So then we're introduced to Phyllis via this application process where they're reviewing it and it says, age, not applicable, marital status, shaky, interests, community affairs. And then they just shoot to her gossiping about somebody cheating on her husband with her friend, Stephanie Beachman from Dynasty, (laughs) you know. Uh, negotiations is another one of her skills, I think. And she's like wearing this like long, just like very fancy dress. And she's like, how much is it? I can give it to you. 5,600. She goes, it's missing a bead. Oh my God. That tapping is just iconic. Yes. Yes. And, and then she just drives through Beverly Hills with this delightful montage of like Gucci, Yves Saint Laurent, like all this stuff. And I just can't get enough of quick montages of people shopping. I mean, I don't know about you, but I mean, the 80s was the time for montages, I felt. And we're at the tail end of the 80s, and it just lets you know who this woman is very, very quickly. And then we jump in and find out she's getting divorced. And I feel like her and her relationship with Craig T. Nelson in that first 10 minutes, you get it. You get what happened. They were in love. He had different career goals. Things shifted when they got money. And she doesn't have any direction, and that's very frustrating for him. Okay, so I had some thoughts about that first fight. Go for it. 
because, okay, so I really enjoyed Craig T. Nelson saying to the daughter, you know, you're going to be less neurotic with your parents happily divorced than unhappily married. And I was like, okay, that's true, but this is a girl with her own balance beam. She's probably going to be pretty screwed She's up anyway. Be fine. <laughs> but. But the thing I was actually upset with was Craig T. Nelson was like, you had you had such potential. And I was like, are you kidding me? If someone married me because I had potential, but not for the person that I was, I would be pissed. I would be mad because I don't want this person to change. You're supposed to accept them the way you are. Now, granted, she changes after they got married. And you saw what you did with that potential. You went shopping. Like, okay. She went she shopper, shopping, buster. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> but if someone were to be like, you had such potential when we first got together, I'd be like, ugh. It just, well, it, it made me want to punch Well, Katie, him. okay, I hear, I hear you. I validate your, I validate you. Oh, your, my God. <laughs> but, <laughs> but at the same time, though, he had other plans, right? She's like, I coupon clipped your way through law school so you could make a difference, mm-hmm. not for you to become, you know, Neffler the muffler man. Which is kind of which kinda great. <laughs> so basically, like he is basically is he just like a spokesman for this for mufflers? Is that no, his he job? Own, he own he like how he lucrative is that? He, I thought he owns the muffler place, but he does his own commercials. Right, right. Which is like totally a thing. It's totally a thing. Yes. I don't know how much money muffler making brings into the house. It seems very lucrative. I mean, but that see, house, I love actually, that house. You know, people have plans in life and you're proving my point because like he went to law school and wound up, you know, owning a, a muffler place. She probably wanted to do other stuff. So in my head, it would almost be like if she said, you had so much potential, you were going to be a lawyer and then you did this. But she doesn't say that. Mm, oh, okay. You're you're turning my opinion. You're turning my opinion. I mean, obviously, I'm on Good. Phyllis, I mean, I'm on Phyllis right, Neffler's side. Let's talk about Shelley Long. Let's talk about her oh God, in Shelley this Long. role. This role is criminally un- underappreciated. It is a fantastic performance. Can we agree on that, at least? Yes. 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 So Shelley Long, Absolutely. killing it in, in Cheers from 1982 to 1987, and then decides to leave the show at the height of its popularity. And you know how I feel about Cheers. I think it's one of the best shows of all time. And she leaves the show to, to, one, take care of her family, and two, to, like, have a film career. And the film career does not go well. I mean, she has a huge hit with Bette Midler with Outrageous Fortune in 1987. But her first movie after she left Cheers was Hello Again, bombed and then she comes out with this a couple years later and this also bombs which effectively ends her film career as a leading actress so but knowing that and and watching her just kill it in this movie like she embodies his character she is so fucking funny in it and you see the comedy skills there that were in a lot of her work beforehand, but they're just like at this wackier kind of more fun loosey-goosey degree. Because she's usually playing, you know, Diane on Cheers was a bit prim and proper and very controlled. Much more uptight. Much more uptight. And this is Shelley Long having a ball. You could tell she's having a ball making this movie. I mean, she was also a redhead in the film, so clearly. Exactly. Lived into Actually, speak for the redhead. Let's talk about redhead representation. 
It's very limited. Um, In all honesty, is no, it? No, we're fine. Yeah. Redheads are fine. I'm a white lady. We're over everybody. <laughs> now, wait. She is a blonde naturally, so this was redhead for this mm-hmm. movie, right? Mm-hmm. It was okay, a choice, right. but I, I love the choice here. It makes sense. And I like that it makes her stand out from the other, you know, typically blonde Californian rich lady That's at a good this point. time. That's a good point. Red is also the hardest color to maintain. So, you know, speaks to her having money to do that. As someone who dyed their hair red in college and then for it to turn orange in the sun, yes, I know. Did you did you dye it red or accidentally orange? No, I dyed my hair red in college and then it was cheap. It was the cheap brand dye and in the sun it became orange isn't actually that's how you you knew me you were like you're the boy with the orange hair is that what i said yeah yeah okay yeah that's what you said to me because i remember we were like you know who's that guy he's got those orange highlights it wasn't intentional i just grew my hair out so (laughs) no it was it was like frosted tips but that's really long orange that's why I knew we would connect on a deep level. Exactly. So I think it's it's important to focus on our girls, our troop girls. And, yes. and what's interesting here is we've got some newcomers and we've got all the, the rest of the kids were, were pretty hot in TV at the time. So their daughter is, of course, played by Jenny Lewis, who uh, at the time was a pretty prolific child actress. I think this was her first major role. She had done some stuff in Golden Girls, but... Then she became who she is today, which is a phenomenal singer-songwriter. Has anyone ever seen her live? Yes. No. You have, Ashley? Yeah. Coachella, 2008. Oh, my God. You were, you've done Coachella? Guys, remember when I used to be cool and I did stuff? I used to do stuff. I was fun. You're so We cool. all used to do stuff. We're in our mid-30s. Cool. We are doing just fine. We've lived a life. <laughs> Many shenanigans. We also have Miss Chica Barnfell, played by Carla Gugino, who is amazing. She's been around forever, ever since then. She apparently lied about her age to be in this movie. She was 16 at the time. She said that she was 14 and didn't reveal her true age until they had filmed for a couple weeks, so they couldn't replace her. What would it matter if she was 16 I or think, 14? I don't know, but she's So like, I, I was reading want. about this as well. And you were. Go for it. she, like, you can see it in the scene where Chica's parents forget about her birthday, right? And My parents are so Carlo. much taller than Jenny yeah. Lewis. And, like, they literally had to place the girls differently. Or, like, when they're all on the sitting scene, all the other girls are sitting on pillows so that they look similar ages. But I thought with the Girl Scout trip, it doesn't matter if you're different ages or whatever. I guess it means, like, what level of the troop you're in. I don't know. It didn't seem like a big deal. So then we have Tiffany Honigman, who's the daughter of a plastic surgeon. That's Emily Shulman, who is a big, big cheese on that show Small Wonder with the little girl robot. Anyone ever ever watched that? No. Okay. Well, you mi- so. actually, I was gonna say you messed up, but you really didn't. Wait, which <laughs> which girl is this again? That's the redhead. The red. Okay. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of girls. And we've got Emily, who is daughter of an out-of-work actor and she's the one who has money problems throughout all of it right she can't afford dues does she say you'll always be a star to me daddy to her dad who's out of work which was i liked that no my my note was you'll always be a star to me daddy okay (laughs) well let's show some respect (laughs) 
Let's show some respect to Miss Kelly Martin, who was on Life Goes On at the time. Sure. She went on to be on ER. She's a big wig on Hallmark Movies and Mysteries, and that's why I love her. That's where all the big wigs come from, is Hallmark Movies and Mysteries. Okay, Katie, I don't, I'm not going to sit here with any Hallmark movies and, movies and Mysteries. No, it's fine. Bad talk. So then, Never. Then we have Lily Marsegan, who's um, obviously a daughter of dictators, because <laughs> she's her two. And they're definitely a play on Amelda Marcos with her mom. Yeah, those sunglasses are dope. Claire, who is a child actress, and her mom is best friends with Phyllis, and that's Amy Foster from Punky Brewster. Did she start with a British accent and then it goes away halfway through? Because I thought no. in the car she had Oh, the her... mom. No, 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 the daughter. The, the... the daughter? The daughter? The daughter with the British accent. <laughs> I hate... Was she drinking water? Was she drinking water? Not, no, it's water. Y'all, Katie's from New Jersey. You guys are going to have uh, <laughs> to enjoy my accent sometimes during this podcast. It comes out. Enjoy. Yeah. It's really for And then benefit. finally, finally, we have Jasmine, who's a daughter of a boxer. She has my an incredible monologue. She does not have enough screen time. No. But she really doesn't. She, she really doesn't. And that's Tasha Scott, who didn't really do anything before then, but then was in a very, very famous to me TV movie called Camp Cucamonga, which... Famous which, to me. Ashley, you, you may remember this. It starred basically every teen actor that was on a show in 1990, plus Jennifer Aniston. It was Candace Cameron Bure, Chad Allen, Jaleel White, and there were all these kids at a camp. And that's pretty much it for what she did. So, I loved her. She was my favorite part of the whole movie. I'm not like even, I can't even do her excuse me was, officer monologue. We can't uh, do it justice. Google it. It's so funny. She's amazing. But we find out that they're all kind of disaffected with the whole troop in general because no troop leader has stuck around. And there's a plot hole. We don't really find out why no one stuck around to help them out. Or did Rich I girls have that? problems too. Rich girls. And that's the thing about this movie <laughs> is we're asked to sympathize with incredibly privileged people. Yes. But it works. I sympathize with them. Mm-hmm. Like, they keep being referred to as people call them weirdos. People call them, you know, they don't, they can't do anything because they're humiliated at the craft fair because they don't have anything, like, super crafty to bring except a very, very useful backpack, I may add. <laughs> yeah, and a well-put-together like, fashion show. A well-put-together fashion show. So, like that's the whole phrase. gist, is that they don't feel like they belong. And I'm like... But you guys are really rich and you have beautiful homes and a beautiful life. But I do still sympathize with you because nobody in that cast, nobody in the characters aren't mean girls. I mean, we find out why Chica is not the friendliest. It's because she's being essentially ignored by her parents. But everyone, they're just like nice. They're nice kids. Yeah. Yeah, they all they all seem fine. You know, a lot of times when you get stories about misfits, they come from like the wrong side of town or whatever. So I like that it kind of was like, you know, they're just kids that have issues. Like, all kids have issues. I did want to note that on their little first gathering here, if if Shelly Long was my mom, I would be so embarrassed by the costumes, or not costumes, outfit choices that she makes. But, like, I'm any sorry, kid... that is my top outfit of the movie, <gasps> is that dress... At okay, that meeting, it. where describe it's it. basically, she's wearing this gorgeous hat, 
and she's it's all yellow and the bottom half of her dress looks like two pringles upside down <laughs> am i wrong accurate accurate no. am i wrong no, I, love I it. you are not wrong. Wear it. And then when Chica Barnfell arrives and she waddles over there and goes, Chica Barnfellow, our first arrival, you know, <laughs> it's just perfect. I love that dress. I love everything about that outfit. So quick little bit about Katie. I am not the world's most girliest person. No, shut you know, up. Oh, shit. I, I'm, oh, I'm shit. rather a tomboy. Stop. But you know, not despite, or I guess that's in, in spite of my mom's efforts to make me a girly girl, because she used to host tea parties for me when I was about the same age as these girls, which was probably around the same time as this movie. So, you know, I'd have all my friends over from school, there'd be like six of us, and it looked very much like this little party, the first oh gathering God. of the girls. I can't imagine you enjoying that at all. I, you know, we... <laughs> We, I did because, you know, I was just goofing around with my friends. My mom made sure to have little sandwiches and have the tea and, all, and, and, you know, we had crafts. I remember one of them, we made our own hats. So we had hats and then, like, put shit all over them, like flowers mm-hmm. and nonsense. But, yeah, it just reminded me of those tea parties my mom would host for me. And my best friend Colleen would also attest she was also a tomboy. My mom would make her go and she refused to wear a dress. She always had a skirt on. So. A scorch. <laughs> she, she always had a speaking of fashion. Those were definitely on brand back then. Yes. I'm just imagining like a tiny Katie mixed <laughs> with Wednesday Adams mm. wanting to wear dark clothing. And mm-hmm. if you had dolls, they were like murdered. But you weren't right. You weren't like there yet. But that's right. that's how I no. like to imagine you. No, I wasn't like a goth kid or anything. I just was very tomboyish. And my mom did not appreciate yeah. it. I mean, we get all these snapshots of these girls. They're a varied bunch, but, like, you believe that they're friends. And what I like about it is that we kind of see that this really isn't for them. They go camping. It's it's a disaster. They really want to be involved. They just don't know how. And Velda's, like, on the warpath to get rid of them for some reason. And so Velda gets her lackey to pretend to be the assistant troop leader for Phyllis, and that's Mary Gross playing Miss Annie Herman. A.K.A. Mrs. Quick. Who's Mrs. Quick? Oh my god, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, the TV show. Oh, I was wondering what she had been up to. But, I mean, the name Annie Herman, I mean, they couldn't have picked a more perfect person to like embody the name Annie Herman than Mary Gross. I think the names in this movie are incredible. You've got Phyllis Neffler, you've got Velda Plendor, Annie Herman. I mean, it's the names are amazing. I do love the name Velda. I don't know Velda. why, because I like, I like the name Vera a lot, and my dog is named Zelda. So when you have those two names combined, I'm just like, sure, if that works. Yeah, and it's just a great name for a villain. And so Annie kind of jumps in to spy on the troop as they decide. You know, we're gonna we're gonna instead of trying to survive the wilds of nature, we're gonna just to to survive the wilds of Beverly Hills to mm, make their own goodness. patches. What do they say? In the, in the wilderness of life, we can never be too prepared. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I exactly. wrote that down as well. So good. <laughs> so good. Okay, so first of all, when Velda is building her case and kind of starting the, the war path against Phyllis, there's a room of leaders, and she says something, you know, like, if any of you thought this was just going to be us baking cupcakes, you can leave right now. And then these two adorable yeah. old ladies stand up 
And it was such a cute little moment. I was like, like, well, not for me. (laughs) I thought it was adorable. I love that. Oh, God. And then Phyllis walks in with that gorgeous cape Mm -hmm. that she had specially made by her designer. Obviously. Because when she found out what those outfits looked like, she was horrified. She just (laughs) had to get a designer to redo it for her. Obviously. Did you clock the cameo of who was the woman... Who was basically at the outfit store no. of the uniform store? No, who that was Joe Marie Payton, the mom from Family Matters. Hey! Oh my God! Yes, again. So this was like a couple months before that even premiered. So yeah, I wrote down. I was like, her outfit is a dream. Uh, a oh dream. my God! Again, the every cape, every scene, the silk uh. lining, the little like green silk piping on it, just yeah. tailored to. Mm, Perfection. So good. The let's shoulder pads. Talk. Ugh. Let's bring those back. Let's shoulder bring shoulder pads back. They Why did not? come Why back. Not? They are they coming. Did? Yeah. They did. They went away they again. Went away, okay. but maybe they're coming back again. I'm going to just stuff a t-shirt. I'm in my closet, listeners. So I'm just going to stuff some t-shirts in my shirt right now. <laughs> that back in the closet. So before we go camping, we get a little, a little view into the progression of the Craig T. Nelson storyline. And this other woman shows up lisa and my first note was who dat ho because oh. <laughs> i didn't know <laughs> who this lady is what is she doing going to the guest house in the middle of the night no real estate lady does that and you know that she was special because that they had a saxophone intro <laughs> when she st- it was like, I, don't know. I was like and- oh she's supposed to be sexy <laughs> I liked how it's her real estate agent. <laughs> the daughter was like, "Oh, the lady, you know, with the nice hair and something else." Big and, boobs. Yeah, and and Shelly Long was like, "Okay, boobs and stringy hair," and I'm like, "Yeah, that's good." Stringy hair, silicone boobs, but yes. <laughs> yes, I love that. I love that. I thought it was great. So he's he's definitely trying to move on, and that's even more of a reason for her to to make this work is to to prove something to well, not just to Craig T. Nelson, but to herself that. This is something important to her to, to be connected to her daughter. So let's talk briefly about when the camping trip does not go well. They end up at the Beverly Hills Hotel. First of all, it does not rain in Los Angeles. It, it rains did then. M- maybe like two days. Well, that was the day that it, that it rained in 1989. When <laughs> but I very much wanted fondue after watching this. I was like, a oh, cheese God. though, not chocolate. Yes, so they end up at the Beverly Hills Hotel, and they tell scary stories, and Phyllis gives a very terrifying story to her girls about getting a perm. And <laughs> again, this is Shelley Long just absolutely milking it for all it's worth. Mm-hmm. You, you had no idea where this, where this monologue was going, and that was something that was a part that was replayed a lot in our house. I think my sisters could recite it from memory. My <laughs> sister ended up getting a perm a couple years later, and I was, I was did like, she learn nothing? You? She did it. <laughs> oh my god! So Graham, I got a perm around this time. You did. Where are the photos of this perm? Uh, so they don't exist for a reason. So I was around this age. It was the eighties. Perms, I guess, were important, and I begged my mother to get a perm. I wanted to look like Curly Sue. I wanted to have... Oh, it, my yeah, hair is so soon. straight. I wanted to be... I remember I was like, oh, Mom, I want to look like Curly Sue. I go to the, the hair salon, and they put all the rollers in. I remember complaining that they were so heavy. My head was so heavy. I was like, ah, oh, it's too much. Well, you wanted it. I know. 
and got the perm and I loved it and it washed out the next day. Oh. Oh my god. I want to like quote to wash legally blonde. Hair. Yeah. yeah. Did you I wash your thinking. hair? Did you get it I wet? I didn't. I don't remember. There's something like, I was a child. Yeah. <laughs> Ashley, have you had a perm? God no. I mean, god no. No, absolutely. Me either. Grant, that is my favorite outfit. The pink chiffon Oh, her little robe. Yep. And the bow in her hair. Yeah, everything. Mm-hmm. It looked like this cotton candy dream. And mm. I was like, that is my, I actually wrote it down. That is my favorite outfit in, in the whole movie. Because it just looks so lovely. Comfortable. Yes. It looks great. I love that. Ashley, have we gotten to your favorite outfit yet? Or is that coming up? I don't know if I can pick a favorite. Not okay, that's fine. Because there's, there's so many to pick. They are. <laughs> they are. There are so many that are so just so wonderful yeah they do all these wilds of beverly hills activities to get all these patches and you know they do whole all these different things there was a scene where they learned their grooming Mm -hmm. you know sushi appreciation i want that patch Uh, i want that patch too i love the dancing montage this early dancing montage like before we get a little bit later where there's more dancing i love this one this one where they're with oh yeah where they learn about fitness there's a divorce court patch my favorite scene is the cpr scene where because the (laughs) cop is hot and i was like i would like to make out with him and that's where that was one of my first experiences with Debbie Harry because they play her song French Kissin' in the USA over it <laughs> and I was like this song's dirty I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just, like after like, recent events I'm like all cops are bastards whatever yes <laughs> and I'm like, oh, but no, did I'm you notice that when, when like she got his phone number like, like the next scene she like writes down his phone number yes, yes. yes. when she's yes. like filling it out yes yeah. so they are so excited about their patches and turns out that they're not viable and she's humiliated in front of Velda in front of all of the rest of the troops when they go to get their cookies to sell which I thought was a really upsetting scene why did you think it was upsetting because I don't like people humiliated in public well of course not that's the point and they worked really hard for that but you know what was great to show the growth is that they were all like fine this doesn't define us Mm -hmm. here fine take my patch although I did like the line earlier where they were like you don't buy the patches, you have to earn them. And she's like, oh, oh. like jewelry. Like jewelry. <laughs> I love that. But yeah, no, I agree. It was a very good moment, a very mature moment for those yes. girls where they're like, you know what, these patches, they don't mean anything. We'll, we'll, because this we'll is persevere. A, yeah, this is also after Chica goes to their house because she was upset her parents left her. and they On her, her birthday. Okay, question. Was that a cake or was it a, what was that? Was it a giant burrito? I thought it was like a giant, like chimichanga, or like. Okay. Yeah. Are you okay. saying was... that because? <laughs> no, no, I, I really. I okay. like also, that. do you remember all those commercials from the '80s where it was like that one cake, the like log-looking cake that was like such a big deal? Oh, it was like Vien- that and the grape. Vienna. Wait, it was yeah. the Vienna. The Vienna cake. Was it? It looked like there was cheese on it. <laughs> yeah, I never maybe really I. Out what it was. With maybe cheese. I just. We're also, we're talking about their maid, played by the late and great Shelley Morrison, who ended her career on Will and Grace. Yeah, I was watching it, I was great, like, it's Rosario a great actress. Will and Grace. She has the line, when they give up their patches, that they don't need no stinking patches. Oh, so, amazing. <laughs> amazing. 
You hated it's a, that It's one? from Blazing Saddles. Yeah, just because I was like, oh, I've heard it a million times. It's too easy. It's too easy well, a joke. Well, in 89, it wasn't. This was in 1989, so... Well, as I'm watching it in 2020, <laughs> it was too easy. Yes. So then we go into cookies, and they're, they're selling cookies, and we find out that the evil... Uh, God, this is where the movie shows its age. The, the, bad, the bad group are called the Red Feathers, and there's a lot of questionable Native American cultural appropriation in this movie. That, that, is, that is true. Yeah. But we find out that they're on their turf, selling all their cookies to... Uh, their neighbors, so they're, they're not able to sell their cookies because if you sell enough cookies, you're in the jamboree. So then we get into their decision of how to rectify this, and that is the incredible cookie time montage. <laughs> oh my God, it was amazing. So Ashley, you, were, you stepped away for a second earlier when we had malfunctions with our audio, and I said, I can't wait to talk about cookie time, and Katie says, what's that? I'm sorry, I forgot. Oh you just Can I believe you ridiculous. forgot the iconic... It is like what people know this movie. <laughs> oh, is that is that is that so like in the cultural lexicon for people who know what this movie is, cookie time is the thing that they know? Yes. I don't know. Katie, human beings know what cookie time is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's wearing a Tina Turner wig. Yeah. And just rocking the shit out of that song. And she is really singing that song. I So there was a, I found a video of the cast getting together 30 years later, and she breaks out into song and sounds the same exact way that she sounded That's when she awesome. was 11. So they sell all these cookies. They're parked in front of what looks like, like a Bergdorf Goodman's in Beverly Hills, just tossing cookies to everybody. They're standing outside of Jane Fonda workout studios, selling cookies to people that are going to work out. They have a fundraiser where Pia Zadora shows up and Robin Leach. It's just oh my God, so wonderful. 80s. So 80s. That Robin Leach section where he's like, you're fabulous. No, you're fabulous. I, I thought that was... You're fabulous. I thought it was fabulous. Cookie wishes. Yes. <laughs> was it khaki dreams and cookie, cookie wishes? Cookie wishes and khaki dreams. Yes. Uh, and they end up selling enough cookies to go to the Jamboree. They sell over 4,000 boxes, much to the chagrin of Velda. And they go to this jamboree because the winner of the jamboree ends up being on the poster for the calendar, I guess. What is what is really? I it's don't like know. the promotional like the, poster. The promotional. Like, join to- the wilderness yeah. girls. Yes. Yes. Yeah. One note about the scene at the fundraiser with Robin Leach and everything, because we again are progressing our Craig T. Nelson subplot here. My note is Craig T. Nelson is kind of a dick. Why would you go back to him? Because she, it was at that moment where I was like, okay, maybe, like, he's kind of showing up as a dad, a little bit mm. as a partner, he's kind of cute in that dumb muffler commercial, but as I'm watching it, I'm just like, girl, you have surpassed him, you have elevated yourself, and he has done jack. So, at this point, I am mm. fully against Craig T. Nelson, even though I love him, I'm just like, why, you deserve so much better, Shelley Long, you deserve a man who is driven wow. and who wants to, you know, join you in this life that you have enriched for yourself. Like, at, at this point, I'm just, like, fully done with Craig T. Nelson. And Damn. That, that remains my stance for the rest of the film. And again, I, again, I'm just like, it is that their relationship is just such an afterthought to me because I'm just, I just want to hang out with her and her girlfriends. <laughs> yeah, and see, like, it's almost interesting. I wonder why, what, and, and, oh. And, like, to your point, though, you think he's turning a corner and he keeps getting kind of worse. 
because they go to that party where they're celebrating how much how many cookies that the girls have sold and he's like oh, i need to talk to you i need to talk to you and mm-hmm. we're thinking oh he wants to get back together because mm-hmm. he sees like who she is who she yeah. she is all along really and he's like i want joint custody i want to have more time with him and it was just like huh that's weird like Okay, so here's what I'm thinking. So, Katie, you're acknowledging Phyllis's emotional arc and her growth, right? Mm-hmm. And I wanted, I wanted to think that Craig T. Nelson's character was, like, recognizing that. But then he pulled back because he realized that she had grown beyond him, you know, and that maybe he wasn't enough for her. I felt like the drawing it back into Hannah, like, I felt like that was just a fallback. I felt like he wanted to express it. But then suddenly there's just this, I don't know, fear of vulnerability. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yes. Interesting. Interesting. I I, I love everything everyone's saying. (laughs) But then she gets upset. And then there's that great moment where she's like, screw you. And then she (laughs) she falls into the pool and she's like, I'm drowning. I'm drowning. And she's clearly in three feet of water. And then <laughs> the entire party turns to them and he just goes, we're getting a divorce. And everyone's like, oh, okay. Oh. Goes oh, back to their life. It's Los Angeles. Everybody gets It's the 80s. Everyone's getting a divorce. I do love how she regains her composure and just like yes. dusts herself off. like Physical <laughs> comedy. Like puts her head she high. And I was like, like, oh my God, it's amazing. Why did we give the Oscar to Jessica Tandy that year? She at least like, <laughs> What the hell? She should have been at least nominated for even a Golden Globe, for God's <laughs> oh sake. Like, what is, I'm, not, I'm not even kidding. I, I know you're not. That's what this. makes it so good. <laughs> yes. So they go to the Jamboree, and the ending is not my favorite part of the movie, just because you're not in Beverly Hills, you're in the wilderness, and now we're just, like, in the woods. And, I know. And it's a little, like, how long is this Jamboree where they're essentially just trudging through the wilderness following signs, right? Yeah, oh my God, that was, I love you I, two right now. <laughs> they are what? just in the woods for so... They're literally in the woods for maybe 36 hours. That's... But, like, what is oh the God, skill there? Oh, my God, it was so long. It is. <laughs> I was... I camped when I was a child. I, I did, never too. really enjoyed it. But the Red Feathers are trying to basically mess up things, make them get lost, and they just manage to just kill it and, and end up winning the Jamboree with having to save Velda, who is left behind by her daughter. Ruthless. Ruthless after she gets injured. Her and Tori Spelling in her film debut. Oh, my God. A brunette yeah. Tori Spelling pre nose yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I had mentioned earlier that I thought the movie was kind of long, I thought it could have ended with cookie time with all of that because I was like, oh, there's another thing they have to overcome. Okay, here we go. That was like, that was the climax. I mean, cookie time was just part of the rising action. I mean, I we know, needed the I like get it. climax and the denouement. And Thank it's you, just, denouement. <laughs> cookie time was such a journey and Jamboree was not... But there's all this foreshadowing, they, excuse right? Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> Phyllis nearly fell into a ravine. I know. Okay, so there's this whole sequence. If I can touch upon this. The only thing that bothers me about this movie, as much as I love it, is the scene where they're trying to cross a bridge and it's been cut by the red feathers so they can't cross it. And now they have to go climb over basically a log to get to the other side. 
A down tree. I don't, no. I don't understand why they walked on it like a balance beam when they could have just sat and scooted. I had that same thought. I was like, why didn't you just sit and scoot? Okay, I'm sorry. Have either of you ever walked across yes a fallen tree have either of you ever done balance beam stuff yes like not over uh not over a ravine ashley it just, it made perfect sense to me i was like if you're there and you're scooting there's so much more surface area and there's so much more possibility that you could like fall over i mean really? i would understand it i'm if not you're crawling, clearly i'm not like, a wilderness hands and knees. yes <laughs> that Graham, i don't sense. know if you've earned your wilderness girl i haven't yet. earned my wilderness girl <laughs> It didn't totally buy that Jenny Lewis would get her foot caught. Like, guys, she's a gymnast. Wouldn't she have noticed yes. it? Yeah. yeah. So you're also missing one of my favorite fashion moments, too, was Velda Skunk Hat. Which I love. Because she kills a skunk because the skunk was running after Beverly Hills Troop, and that's what made them cross the finish line first. I just couldn't... F- I was like, what is Velda's GD problem? Like, she needs to calm down. I was very upset. It is- it is just interesting how, like, we don't really understand where this is coming from beyond, like, her just being a hard ass. Yeah. Guys, it was all laid out in the beginning. She is an ex-army nurse, and she is a widow. She oh, loves order, and it mm-hmm. seems like she's very upset that she doesn't have that anymore. And I'm I'm just going to go ahead and assume that she loved her partner, because we don't mm-hmm. know. We don't know. And that, like, that has left such a gaping hole and that there's so much chaos and she was so upset by that. So now she's, in order to cope, she has just gone even further into a world of law and order. Okay, now I stand, Velda. (laughs) (laughs) Now she's she's terrible. Now she's a queen. Now she's terrible. I mean, and also, like, she hates having a child, you can tell. Like, she doesn't even want her child referring to as Clearly her her partner's idea. Yes, Obviously. I also thought with the Jamboree, I'm like... Trip Beverly Hills, I think they're great. They're they're very scrappy. They reach their goals. They succeed. They come up with creative solutions on how to be the best that it is at what they do. During the Jamboree, I was very surprised that all of the other troops sucked enough that it was just down to these two. Because I'm like, okay, Red Feathers, they cheat. And, you know, they're militant. I understand that they would cheat to be first. I get that. Yeah. But Trip Beverly Hills, I did not believe that they would be first at all. Also, they were out there for over six hours. That's a long <laughs> time. But I like, mean, suspension of disbelief. <laughs> like, I think I think between the first day and the second day of the Jamboree, we, maybe some scenes were cut. I wish there was something between that. Yeah. Because the ending does feel a little bit more rushed. Yeah. Because it's just like over and yay, and they sing their We're the Girls from Beverly Hills chant, and we're all thrilled for them. But they were also trying to shoot two different things during those final scenes. Did you read about that? They're like shooting I some did. like weird corporate video to save money. So I can see how it got rushed. They were like, well, we need to make money on two fronts. Exactly. Exactly. But that's the end is that Phyllis committed to something and, and she really excelled at it. And I guess at the end we see that Freddie and her are on their on the path to getting back together. Who knows? Which I hate. My notes on this in all capital letters. Girl, you've surpassed him. He sucks. Why are you going to settle for that lame But tell us what you really Did feel. you see him shirtless? That's why. <laughs> Did you see him shirtless? Oh, my God. But he got his barbell. Did you see him lift the barbell? He got his 
God, that was hot. That was so hot. (laughs) Do you think... Okay, Mm, Graham, mm, mm, mm. you've spent more time with this movie, of course, so I'm hoping you've had some thoughts. Do you think, A, Phyllis and Freddie are still together? B, Phyllis stuck with being a wilderness girl leader? And C, do you think their daughter followed in her footsteps? So I don't think they're together. Why? I don't think they get I think they realize later on that they're not meant for each other. I'm pretty sure she kept doing it for a couple more years. Until all the girls kind of lost distant disinterest, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I would like to think that Phyllis now, what she would probably be what, late sixties? Like she is involved in lots of charities. That's her jam. She definitely is a Democrat. I think so too. I want to believe that. Is she though? <laughs> like how much more money were they getting? I think okay. so. I think so. Was their daughter being good enough to block Fox News at home? I'm just saying. I I hope so. No, I just think it's just such a lovely, fun, re-rewatchable movie. Obviously, for me, it's rewatchable. Katie, would you watch it again? I wouldn't, like, seek it out, though. Like, if it was on, I would watch it, but I probably am not going to put it on on purpose unless I have to. Maybe just because it doesn't Mm. have that same meaning for me. Like, it's something I enjoyed, but I probably wouldn't seek it out to put it back on again so you don't want my amazon login to watch it because i bought it for the express purpose of this (laughs) i rented it on amazon that's true actually watching it now like what kind of different thoughts did you have about it you know it was obviously some of the just terrible cultural appropriation and just racist shit where i was like oh (laughs) oh god like you're just you're wearing a fucking headdress (laughs) you know it's like oh my god i know that scene Mm -hmm. i was like you know and like it was never okay but it was accepted back then you know what i mean and that doesn't make it okay now but now that we're more aware we're like oh yeah i think i just rewatched it and just had a nice warm feeling of nostalgia i wasn't trying to critique it Mm -hmm. too much and i think that's also during these pandemic times i just want to like enter back into something that's a fun romp right and like be able to be critical and acknowledge it absolutely and also say i do like the female empowerment pieces i do like how much she's able to grow and change but yeah i don't there really wasn't a lot of other things that stood out i also wasn't expecting or asking too much of the film yeah that's true me too i had very like Mm. i'm just here Mm -hmm. to have fun and i've lived with it for 31 years so it's just like been kind of a constant i mean i've I've watched it like every year it's just something that and it, there's a huge fan base out there for it. So in San Francisco, there's a drag queen here called Peaches Christ who puts on stage versions of cult films. And she'll do anything from like Showgirls to Adam's Family Values. And she did Amazing. one with Troop Beverly Hills. And to be at the Castro Theater with, I don't know how many people that hold, but it was sold out. Like maybe 2,000 people who love this movie. And watching a stage version where they're all in drag and they're all like performing cookie time and everyone freaking out. Like this movie has definitely, despite the fact that when it was released in March of 89, it made no money. It made $8.5 million total. Oh you know, God, I love that you know these the things. Office. This is not research, so, right? No, this is like well, you looked research. it up <laughs> and you just implanted that in your mind. That is your thing. I know. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. But like, it's just funny how these, these films that were rentals like these were like perpetual vhs rentals in households in the 90s have just grown to have these huge followings so it's just great to know there's a lot of people out there who love it just as much as i do graham would you say it's a comfort food movie for you absolutely absolutely 
it is just if it's on i will watch a few minutes of it it's just and again like i love shelly long and interesting shelly long and betty thomas reunited six years later do you know where i have one guess what's their guess is it the brady bunch movie she was a director of the Brady Bunch hey! movie. Only because that's where I, I... That was my first Shelley Long experience was the Brady Bunch movie. So I was like, oh, cool. I love that movie. And and there's a line in True Beverly Hills mm-hmm. when they're at the Beverly Hills Hotel. And she says, one bathroom for nine people. I call that roughing it. Brady Bunch, nine people, <gasps> one bathroom. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, Shelley had... This was, like, her last kind of wide release. A couple other things she did didn't make any money yeah barely broke a million dollars and then she did that with betty thomas and that kind of helped her career a bit betty thomas went on to be a hugely successful film director she did dr doolittle she Mm. did one of the chipmunk movies she did 28 days she's one of the most successful female directors out there that's awesome she hasn't she hasn't done anything unfortunately in the past like 11 years who knows why but it's interesting tori spelling went and had a career denny lewis had a career craig t nelson obviously has been around forever yeah, I would love to see, like, what the other girls, nothing really came of them after a few years after this. But, I don't know, it's just great to see where people began, I think, especially with the younger actresses in it. Well, I fully enjoyed it. I was very happy because you've spoken about this movie for years. So I'm glad to finally have experienced it and kind of get that little glimpse into Graham's brain. Don't know if you're going to enjoy the glimpse into my brain as much when we do our next episode but so next week will be katie and if you want to give a preview of what ashley and i are to expect with your choice of the film you've watched the most of everything okay both ashley and i have not seen so what what can people expect for the next episode okay so i know everyone's gonna say this is an odd choice but when it comes down to movies that you've seen a million times comfort food movies people usually don't think of this one but i know it's just it's just something i enjoy and i love so i hope you're both ready for hellraiser hellraiser is a 1987 horror movie based on clive barker's fantastic novella the hellbound heart and it's very violent and messed up but it's one of the best special effects movies I've ever seen and like Ashley said earlier in the podcast I don't remember the first time I saw it but it's Mm -hmm. something that connects me to my love of horror pretty sure my dad was the one who showed me and as we go through these series you'll you'll realize that a lot of these movies came from my dad okay cool but this is one that like he and I connect on and I love movies where I could read the book first so it's scary you guys are gonna watch and be like oh my god what is wrong with her but I'm so excited to talk about it with you both, especially because you both don't really watch horror movies. And when someone asks me, what is your favorite? I always say Hellraiser. Well, I'm, de- I'm definitely going to make sure I watch it during the day. <laughs> and I am so excited to talk about it next week. Wonderful. Yes. Well, we're going to wrap up our first episode. Thanks you all for listening. And we hope to see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Let Me Introduce You is a podcast hosted by Graham Veth, Katie Kubert, and Ashley Crone. Music by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 License. Make sure to follow the Let Me Introduce You podcast on Instagram at Let Me Intro You Pod and on Twitter at Let Me Intro You.